Morning, dear friends. I'm glad you're uh, here today worshiping God together. Well, I hope your week was full of praise to God in all of your life situations, both wonderful and difficult. Coming to you here via video because it was not quite working in our uh, live sermon today, so it didn't get recorded. So you're getting to watch it in this format, sort of like a pandemic format, we'll say. <laughs> so we're taking some time as a church to go through the book of Ephesians. Today, we're going to see some pretty powerful things that God wants you to know as a believer. And the idea of know is going to be the theme for our day today. Today's verses is also going to show us uh, Paul's pastoral prayer and his expectation for his church, which happened to be mine too. Like if I'm going to jump on someone's coattails, then Paul is a great person to do so. So last week we uh, finished up with Paul's reminder that we're included in Christ and our inheritance is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. That's where we pick up today. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So we all know about uh, water cooler gossip at the office or like locker room whispers. And they always start with like, oh, did you hear about so-and-so or... I can't believe she said this, or I can't believe he did that, or, you know, did you hear about? And it's almost always salacious and negative. But Paul does something really cool here. He says, hey, church, I heard something about you. And then he gives two really cool things to be heard about. The first really cool thing is uh, he heard about their faith in Jesus. And when I think of this, I can't agree more with Paul as I think of all of you at our church. I'm constantly encouraged as as I watch you navigate your lives in faith and and with the strength and conviction that you have for God, seeking the supernatural consistently and walking in faith day after day. The second thing I, I heard was, uh, well, Paul says, the second thing I heard about you was uh, your love for God's people. He says that to his congregation. Um, now, I think it's significant that Paul uh, gave thanks not for their love for God, but for their love for all of the saints. The real evidence of God's work in us isn't the love that we claim to have for him, but our love for his people that others can see. If you claim to love God, but you don't spend time and effort and loving and connecting to others, then you don't love God. It's not my words. It's the Bible's. It's 1 John 4, 20. Well, I'll tell you, I heard about you, church. I heard about this church, GRC, that they really do love one another. I mean, they go on vacations together. They meet for lunch and brunch and a whole bunch of other random things. They they uh, show up at high school or kids' volleyball games in mass. And, and they'll, they'll be uh, one of our adults showing up and hanging out and blessing uh, the other parents at a baseball practice even. They drive our kids around. They drive their other kids around sleepovers and all sorts of amazing fun stuff, praying, supporting, talking with, serving one another, constantly looking out for the well-being of those around you, delivering meals when they're needed, and offering comfort and care in all situations. Because of this, I, I could say the same as Paul says, that I give thanks for you. As church members, this should be one of your goals, that your pastor can say this about you, that he gives thanks because of you, that he... Uh, thinks of you often, and when he does, it's with thanksgiving. 
And it's 100% honest. This is my confession over you. You can uh, ask my wife. She can attest to you uh, when we're laying down at night and, you know, talking about our day and that kind of stuff. And and whenever I think about you guys, I, I always tell her, we always talk about this as being my reality, that I can consider each of you. And when I do, I'm so thankful for you. I'm, I'm thankful for the incredible blessing of uh, being allowed to be your pastor. I'm thankful for your incredible faithfulness to Jesus and your faithfulness to this church. I'm so thankful for your generosity. Whenever we ask for anything or put out a special need, our church always steps up and does it. I'm, I'm thankful for your love and passion for missions and care for those around the world. I'm, I'm thankful for for your love and, and care for God's kingdom and your desire to see God's kingdom grow. I'm in lockstep with, in agreement with Apostle Paul about his church at Ephesus. Now, I don't think I have a, a lot of boasts over the Apostle Paul. I think he's better than me in every area of life, probably. But he never met you all. And I'll take GRC over Ephesus all day long. Paul not only gives thanks for God's work among the Ephesians, he also prays that they would continue with greater strength. Paul shows us here that, that pastors must do more than just preach messages to their congregation. It isn't just about preaching. Now, that's an important part, but that's not the only part. He says that they must be consistently praying for their congregations. Now, if you ever feel that this isn't your reality, that you're unsure if you're being prayed for, then let me know immediately. And we'll let you know how often prayer for you is happening. Every day from my perspective. Weekly from our staff perspective for you. Each and every day from our other staff praying for you. Members praying for you. All sorts of folks praying for you. And so if ever you're in doubt that you're being prayed for, I want to assure you that you are absolutely being prayed for. And if you want to know, I'll uh, text you every time I'm praying for you or I'll text you every time the staff prays for you and you're, you know, you won't be able to get any work done because there's so much prayer happening for you. And that's a fantastic thing. So what else does Paul say for his church? Ephesians 1.17, keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul's not asking for wisdom and revelation so they may see into the lives of others or have the ability to predict events or do what we would commonly think of as prophetic stuff or revelationary stuff. He wanted them to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation simply so that they would have a better knowledge of God and his desires. And that's exactly what my prayers for all of you sound like. I told you I pray for you often. And here's a glimpse of what I am praying for you. First is prayers for wisdom. Wisdom to navigate your life with God at the center. Knowing him better. See, wisdom is knowing the right answer and using it at the right time. Knowledge is knowing the right answer. But wisdom is, is having that answer and knowing when to use that answer, when to say something, when to move, when to act. That's wisdom, having the correct answer at the correct time. And I'll tell you guys, you live complicated lives. You have uh, difficult lives where wisdom is necessary in your daily life. It's necessary as you navigate your work and as you navigate your families and, and even your own lives. I pray that God grows each parent in wisdom how to help your kids follow Jesus better. Wisdom in all of your marital re relationships, not just having the right answer, but knowing how to say it 
and when to say it and when to give and when to, to press. Wisdom in how to handle your aging parents and maybe difficult family members. Wisdom on how to navigate the modern workplace where uh, all while honoring God. I mean, that's a difficult thing to do, especially nowadays in, in America. And for you students, wisdom to honor God on campus and with your peers and in the midst of all the pressure that comes with that and all the difficulty. And, and you know the right answer, but sometimes it's really hard to do the right thing. So I pray that God give you wisdom to have the right answer and know how to implement that right thing at the right time. Also, the other thing he prays for is for revelation. And I do too. Revelation for, for God to show you his path for you, to reveal how you can know him better, both intellectually and spiritually. When we're talking about know, it's not just mental assent of something or having an understanding of it. it it's it's understanding it and, and learning it, but it's also experiencing it. It's walking in it. It's being in it. And, and that's what I pray for you, that, that you would know both intellectually and spiritually God's love for you. See, our Christian life must be centered around this idea of knowing God better through his word, through experiencing him, taking time to slow down. Maybe just a few moments in your day, slow down. Taking time to listen to him in prayer, walking with God daily. When I prayed, it sounds something like this. God, give us wisdom so that we may know you better. God, I want to know you more more intimately, more securely, more real, just more. See, that's my prayer for myself, and that's my fervent prayer for each of you. Furthermore, I agree again with Paul in the next first section, in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and is incomparably great power for those of us who believe. See, God's help is necessary for our spiritual growth. If any of us are to know all that God has given us in Jesus, it's going to take his supernatural work. I can't reach to it. I can't grab it. I can't, I, I can't be good enough or big enough to get it. It's going to take his power to come and open the eyes of our hearts. It'll require that, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened by God and God alone. Open the eyes of my heart, my heart, the eyes of my heart and lining. That's such a beautiful phrase. I, I roll it around in my mind and it, it, it's amazing. It reminds me of that 2000 song. Open the eyes of my heart. Now, Jerry, that's not a, a reason that you can play that song. That will leave the past one in the past, but it, it's a cool song. The word heart in scripture signifies the very core or center of who you are as a human being. In Western society, we use heart as like our emotional center, but that's not how the Bible's talking about it. The Bible uses heart as taking in your intellect, your will, um, your emotions, and that's a place where you make a decision. It's your command center of you as a human being. And, and the Bible's saying like, God, would you open the eyes of my command center so that I can be enlightened, so that I can do something. Open the eyes of our heart in order that, so that, for the purpose of what? Well, the verse reveals it. The purpose of hope to know hope more. Hope of a future. Hope of freedom in Christ. Hope of God's good things. Hope of eternal life. And hope in this life that, that I'm to live it to the full. 
See, the thing that's super necessary in our life is that we have hope. You look around the world and, and all you're going to find is discouragement, despair, darkness, sorrow, things falling apart. Wish we could go to the back, back in time. Wish they were better way back then. But the Bible says, no, we can have hope. Not because of this world, but because of God. And God, I pray you open the heart, eyes of each of our hearts so that we might know the hope, which we're called, the riches of God, the incomparable great power to those who believe. So the passage wants us to know how, how great God's power is, his miraculous, supernatural, transforming, healing, freeing, so many cool ING words that's available for everyone. Paul prays that, that you'll know what you have to, to embrace it and to swim in it and to share it with others. And as he prays it for them, he also expects that they would pray the same for someone else. In the same way, your prayers for spiritual growth and enlightenment of others, they're important and they come with power. That's seen next. In Ephesians 1.19, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. F.F. Bruce, Bruce writes this, If the death of Christ is the supreme demonstration of the love of God, then the resurrection of Christ is the supreme demonstration of the power of God. And God wants you to know what kind of power you're dealing with. It's God power available to each of us as we follow Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit. That power. Power to do things that you don't think you can do. Power to overcome sins that maybe you've been struggling with your whole life. Power to, to find strength to get through the day. Power to, to share the gospel with your friends. Power to, to say no to temptation, whether it's cheating on a test or cheating at work or, or cheating in life. There's never a power shortage in the Christian life. And that's super legit. Let's end with this last verse. In Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This great resurrection power placed Jesus above all things. Now all things are under his feet. He said Jesus is the head over all things, particularly the church body. What a cool privilege it is for each of us to be part of that body, part of God's fullness, the church. Now it's become sort of hip nowadays to hold a bit of a negative stereotype about the church. And I think it's partly rightly deserved. But the, the church is beautiful because each of you are beautiful. Or more precisely, Christ in you anyway. The church is powerful because Christ is powerful. The church is lovely because Christ is lovely. Each of you are the church. And we together form the body like Voltron. He forms the head. I want you to know you are part of something incredible, the church. I want you to know that you are part of someone incredible, Jesus Christ. And I want you to know what the end of this verse says. I want you to know the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I don't know about you, but 
I could use this idea in my life. The idea that, that I could know the fullness of God, that he will fill everything in every way. Maybe you have some holes in your heart because of a loss of someone. God says he will fill that in in every way. Maybe you have some insecure holes. Maybe some people have been mean to you. Maybe you don't think that you're any good or, or you don't think that uh, people like you. God can fill all those gaps, all those holes. Maybe you don't feel competent at work. You feel over your head. You feel all sorts of stuff. Again, return to know the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I know oftentimes we don't feel like we're good enough or smart enough or kind enough. And God fills in all those gaps with him. Now, we've seen some things God wants us to know, and I pray that you're listening for his words to you and that you're encouraged and challenged to know all that's available for each of you. All the fullness of God, all the security, all the power, all the potential as we turn to him. So I'm going to close us in prayer, and, and we're just going to think about the good things that God has given us and to know the power that he provides. So let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would help us to know you more. There's so much good available in you if we will turn to you. And I want to pray in power. I want to ask for wisdom and revelation for our folks, that they would walk in your love, walk in your fullness, walk in your power, and know you deeply and intimately, God. We love you, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for watching this special edition. Bye.